0: V.
1: chapter 1 verse 29 and 30. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Jesus is the eternal son of God. He has always existed and he will reign forevermore. Amen. 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 Would you remain standing and welcome those around you. All right, good morning. If you will return to your seats, you may be seated. Want to take a moment and welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. We are thankful that you are here to worship with us today. Good morning. Good morning. Uh this is your first time with us? Welcome. We are delighted to have you here. Um believe the Lord brought you here for a reason. And so we're thankful that you're here. We want to just serve you and minister to you any way that we can. want to be available to pray for you if, if you would need some prayer. We would appreciate if you would let us know that this is your first time. You can do that in a couple different ways. There's a QR code in the bulletin. You can scan, fill out some information about yourself, or there's a connection card out in um, the foyer if you could take a moment to fill that out. Let me make some announcements. Uh, we are observing the Lord's Supper this morning. If you did not notice that, so always, as it says in 1 Corinthians, right, let, let a man examine himself. We want to examine our hearts before we partake of this. And so be preparing your hearts as we worship for that. Um, we have a Parents Night Out event that's coming up right now. We're in need of volunteers. So, volunteers, youth, you included, sign up back there on the Connect Board. And then um, in the next week, We'll open that up for parents to be able to sign up their kids. But we need volunteers to be able to do those to be a blessing to our, um, to our parents, our families, who not all of them have family in the area who can watch their kids. This is a huge blessing. So if you're willing to help, please sign up. Bridging the Gap, we did this last year. Um, they serve over, last year was almost 1,200 families, people for a thanksgiving lunch and so last year we asked you to bring green beans this year they've asked us to do green beans and corn and so you have the next four Sundays to bring them there's a table out here in the foyer you can bring that get it in bulk if you want and let us be a blessing to bridging the gap as they seek to meet some needs Um, in our community fall festival we still need help there's still some tags on the board that you can pull off There's still some vacancies where you can sign up um, for that as well. Uh, Let me make another announcement. So parents, if you have kiddos, this is really important. You want to pay attention. This is related to children's church. Um, The Lord is bringing growth to our church family. We praise the Lord for that. Um, But with that growth comes, we got to figure some things out. And so our children's church has grown to 30, 35 kids Down that hallway. So typically, the way we've been doing it, it was pre K three and four in one class, kindergarten first and second in another. Starting this morning, we're going to change that. We can change it again going forward, but we're going to try this. It's now going to be pre K three, four, and kindergarten, and then first and second, which means if you have a kindergartner, starting this morning, they will now go out to children's church every week. They won't stay in here on the first Sunday. So kindergartners, you're going out this morning, first and second grade, you will stay in here as we do the first Sunday of every month for, um, we just want you to see what it looks like to worship and to be part of that. I'll remind you about that when I dismiss you for Children's Church, but that is a big change. Kindergartners, you will now go out um, this morning. There's also another announcement in the bulletin uh, about a mission trip, and so at this time Brian and Debbie are going to come and share more about that mission trip opportunity.
2: Good morning. Uh, so, uh, about a year ago, I got up and, and described uh, a ministry that I've personally become involved with over the past uh, few, year, few years uh, called Casas por Cristo, or Houses, uh, Homes for Christ. Um, I've done a couple of, of builds through, um, through a friend of, of mine, um, but at this point, we're um, looking to actually lead a trip uh, with Northside Baptist, um, looking to go. Uh, this coming February uh, 19th through 24th so it's during uh, winter break for the schools uh, but the plan is we're, we're being led to go to uh, Guatemala actually to San Raimondo, uh Guatemala um, if you don't if you weren't here or don't recall um, basically Casas Por Cristo uh, partners with local churches local pastors uh, to identify uh, a family in need um, and then they go and within uh, just a few days um, build a three-room house uh, for them and uh, and, and uh, dedicate that to the family. So um, we're going to look to take probably 15 to 20 people, uh, hopefully, uh, on the trip. Um, there's more information in the bulletin about it. Um, you may have already tried to write it off and say, well, yeah, I don't know how to build. I don't have construction experience. Um, if God's calling you to go, you know, there's, there's a reason, um, but you don't have to. You don't have to have construction experience. Um, there's a job, job for everybody um, uh, in doing that, but um, Debbie's gonna share with us um, some of the fundraising uh, ac- efforts we have beginning today.
3: If I can go build a house, help build a house, so can you. <laughs> so first we have to raise $11,342 to cover the cost of the materials just to needed to build the house. And then we'd like to um, reduce the cost for all the members that are going, the team members' expenses, to under $400 if possible. So today we are beginning a 200 envelope challenge. So you saw in the foyer, or hopefully you'll see, that there's an outline of a house and it's filled with envelopes. Each envelope has a dollar amount anywhere from $1 to $200, and we're asking you to select an envelope, or two or three, and place cash or check inside for the amount that's on the envelope. You can always enclose more than what's written on the envelope, but please at least include as much as the dollar amount that's on the envelope. Prayerfully consider if you're able to give, fill the envelope here at church, please don't take them home, and then deposit it in the offering box. If you pull more than, if you pull more than one envelope, you can write one check and then staple all the envelopes or paperclip them and put them all in that um, collection box. If, and we're also asking for all of you to pray to pray that we can raise the money needed for the materials and then the team expenses. Please pray for the family in Guatemala that will receive the house, and pray for our missions team, that there will be safe travel, safety on the worksite, and that we'll be open to any and all the ways that God's going to use us during this experience. So let's all come together and show God's love for a family in Guatemala.
1: So that's right out here when you walk out to the foyer, just kind of look to the left and you'll see it there. Um we're having a lunch after church, so today's a great time while you're standing in line to look at it, grab an envelope, um, write out that check, put put it in there. We're also the plan is Debbie's gonna make a a miniature version of that, and we're gonna have it at the fall festival, and we're gonna take it out to the upward fields as well to try to get some others who are not part of the church. But hey, this sounds exciting. We wanna through you all be able to impact a, a couple and um, hopefully share the gospel with them and so we're also going to do that as well. So it's a really cool opportunity uh, to do that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll continue to worship by singing nothing but the blood. Lord God, we come to you. Lord, we recognize that <clears throat> you have called us to you. You have set us apart. You have saved us, transformed us. And then Father, you send us. You send us into our communities here, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, <clears throat> into our very families to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, on Saturdays in the fall, you send us out here to the fields and you bring hundreds of of kids and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and neighbors to watch their kids play and each week they're hearing the gospel. Lord, we recognize that you are wanting to send us into Georgia and the United States of America and unto the ends of the earth. So Lord, this is an opportunity through Casa Por Cristo for us to be able to go in and and meet some physical immediate needs. Lord, each of us in this room know the value and the importance of a roof over our head, of having a place, Lord, to call home. And this team that's going to go in February is going to have an opportunity to meet that physical need. But Lord, what I, what I love the most about this is it's, to partnering with a pastor in a local church who are seeking to either help people in their own church or seeking to do this to people for the people in the community lord just to share the love of jesus christ with them lord go before this team lord as they have opportunities to share the gospel with maybe this family or maybe neighbors or other avenues lord begin preparing hearts and may we as a church come alongside and help whether that's 1$ or $195, or, Lord, if you lead us to give even beyond that. Lord, what I love about this is each of us can participate. Everyone in this room can pitch in somehow, even if it's in a small way, but all of that adds up in a significant way. And, Lord, we know this is all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Apart Jesus from your death, burial, and resurrection, everyone in this room has no hope, and we have no hope to offer a lost, dying world. But as Peter says, and we will see over the next several months, we've been born again to a living hope. Everything changes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have hope and we go and we share this hope with people who are living in a hostile world, a broken world, a dead world where it is set apart from you. But there is hope, Jesus, in you. So as we sing about the blood, prepare our hearts for not only the preaching of your word, but for the Lord's Supper, and may we give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? Thank you, choir and Anna Marie. Praise the Lord. All right, at this time, three, four-year-olds and kindergartners, you're going to make your way to Children's Church. First and second grade, you remain in here. Everyone else would please take their copy of God's Word and turn to the book or the letter of 1 Peter. The letter of 1 Peter. As we begin a new series looking at the book of First Peter. Now, as we were working our way through Esther, I, I didn't do what I normally do, what is my normal practice, and that is when we read God's Word, we stand in honor of that Word. We were looking at big chunks of Esther, and I didn't always read it up front, and so we did not do that. But as we get back into First Peter, that will be our practice. So I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2. Um, we're just going to look at verse 1 this morning in an introduction uh, to this Letter, because we need to lay some some groundwork. But would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word as I read verses 1 and 2 from the letter of 1 Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, For obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. You may be seated. I've entitled this sermon series, as you can see here on the screen, Exiles a Living Hope in a Hostile World. Exiles a Living Hope in a Hostile World world as we're going to see this morning you and i the recipients of first peter they're exiles and we are living in a world that is hostile that is not our home and so there is a a yearning within all of our hearts to be home to be home even when you go on vacation you love that vacation, but at some point, every single one of us, for some of you it's a day, for some of you it could be gone a month, but at some point, you're ready to go home. We just want to be home. But when I talk about a yearning within our hearts to be home, I'm talking about something far greater than just an earthly home. I'm talking about our eternal home. For brothers and sisters in Christ to be in heaven, the new heavens, the new earth, primarily to be with Jesus. Just think about the number of songs that we sing about heaven. Consider two secular songs, Knocking on Heaven's Door or Stairway to Heaven. Consider our hymns. And man, I so want to sing these, but I won't. Soon and very soon, right? When we all get to heaven, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Right? We love singing about Heaven, consider praise songs. Chris Tomlin has a song called I'm Going Home. Mercy Me sings a song that's on my playlist that, that I love called, called Almost Home. Like brothers and sisters, it won't be long. Right? We're almost home. Phil Wickham has a song called Hymn of Heaven. It says there will be a day when all bow before him. Big Daddy Weave sings a song Heaven Changes Everything. City of Light, I'll quote from this song at the end of the message, sings a song called On That Day. And the one that we're all the most familiar with, Mercy Me, sings a song I can only imagine. Like what that day will be like. We long for Jesus to return. We long to be home with him. But for now, we live here. And we live in a world that is not our home. We live in a world of sin, of death, of pain, of suffering, and persecution. We live in a world that has always been, since Christ came, and he speaks of this, hostile to Jesus. We live in a world that in many countries has been hostile towards Jesus for a long time. We are living in a world right now, our context, in a place that is becoming more and more hostile, not only to Jesus, but to his followers so how do we live how do we live well according to peter we are exiles living in a hostile world but brothers and sisters we have a living hope in the midst of this fallen world hostile world we have a living hope Hope. So I want you to notice three things this morning. Number one, I want you to notice the author who writes this letter. Number two, the recipients of this letter. And then the third thing we'll look at as we close is four key themes that we will see over and over and over. There are more than four, but I want to highlight four of those for you. So first of all, notice the author, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This letter begins with a salutation. It is Peter. It is Peter. Now, um, I have a, a tendency to misspeak, as I did last week when I said Jamie was 38 months pregnant and not 38 weeks <laughs> pregnant. Some of you youth caught on that. So I'm just giving you a heads up multiple times. I've already done it in practicing multiple times. I'm going to say Paul said. It's just a habit. I just, I'm more familiar with Paul than Peter. So when I say Paul said, just know he's talking about Peter. I'm just going mi- to Peter is the author. Now, we know Peter. We're familiar with Peter. I've just preached Ephesians, the last New Testament, and Paul wrote that, so I just kept saying Paul, Paul. We know Peter. We're very familiar with Peter. He's known as Simon Peter, also known as Cephas, right? Peter, Cephas, rock. Cephas is the Aramaic. He's the rock. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He was one of the 12, but he's also one of the three. Some people call the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Peter is known for his declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He's known for walking on water. He's known for being present at Jesus' transfiguration. He's known for being the mouthpiece of the disciples. He's known for speaking the first sermon at Pentecost. But Peter's also known for sinking in the very water that he was walking on because he took his eyes off Jesus. Peter is also known for right after saying Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, he, he tries to ch- stand in Jesus' way and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Peter is also known for denying Jesus not once, not twice, but thrice, three times. Listen, Peter, the author here, wasn't perfect. But it is clear that Peter, when you look at the Gospels and then you begin to look at Acts and you begin to look at First and Second Peter, that Peter was completely changed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Like when Peter, who often would stick his foot in his mouth, once he sees Jesus raised from the dead, he is forever changed. Peter probably writes this letter, most commentary scholars are in agreement, sometime between probably 62 to 64 AD. 64 AD is when when Nero um, sets the city of Rome on fire and he blames the Christians, but most historians believe it was Nero that did it himself. And so we begin to see this, this more statewide persecution at the hands of the Romans really begin to escalate around Nero's time, and then it just continues to build. More than likely, Peter is writing right before that, but still writing in a time where persecution is on the rise. Peter is probably, more than likely, writing from Rome. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13 says, She who was at Babylon who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Babylon there is not referring to actual Babylon of the Old Testament. In Revelation, Babylon is symbolic for Rome. More than likely, Peter is writing from Rome. Wayne Grudem writes just as in the Old Testament, Babylon was the center of world power and opposition to God's people, so in the time of the New Testament, Rome was the earthly center of a worldwide system of government and life which was set in opposition to the gospel. So he's writing from Rome, probably shortly before he is martyred. Peter is killed for his faith. We don't read of that here in 1 Peter, obviously, but history tells us, tradition states that Peter was crucified, but he didn't want to be crucified as Jesus was crucified, so he was crucified upside down. So the the author of this letter will be martyred for his faith in Jesus. So he says Peter, this is Peter in Apostle. The Greek word is apostolos. Apostle in a general sense means a messenger, but when it Referring to the 12 disciples who are also known as apostles, that word is used more specifically to mean one who is sent. So Peter in Matthew chapter 10 is called by Jesus. In John chapter 20 verse 21, we see Jesus now sending them out. Called, then commissioned. He is an apostle. He's an apostle of, and this is absolutely key, and we'll camp here for a moment, of Jesus Christ. Christ Peter is sent by Jesus Christ in other words he is sent under the authority of Jesus Christ look at first Peter chapter 5 verse 1 so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed Peter is an eyewitness to Jesus. He's an apostle. Today, we do not have apostles. The two offices in the church are pastor and or elder, that word used interchangeably, and deacons. There are no apostles today. An apostle had to be an eyewitness of Jesus. No one living today has seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. There's no apostles. There are pastors. There are deacons. Peter was an apostle. And he is an eyewitness to the suffering and resurrection of Christ. So hear me, when Peter stands to preach in Acts chapter 2, he is preaching with the authority of Christ. When he writes this letter to the churches in Asia Minor, he is writing with the authority of Christ. Paul talks about how all Scripture is breathed out by God. Peter, in 2 Peter, talks about how the Holy Spirit carried these men along. This is the word of God. Look what Peter says in First Peter chapter 1, 24 and 25. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Brothers and sisters, this is very, very important the letter we are about to study is not peter's thoughts it is not peter's contemplations it is not peter's musings this is the very word of god this is breathed out by god so when i say peter writes what i'm really saying is the holy spirit of god writes through peter and is saying to us i'm just not going to say that every time because that's a lot longer to say but just know when i say peter writes i mean god through peter is speaking to us so we better brothers and sisters listen clearly to what god has to say in this letter this is peter an apostle of jesus christ notice the recipients to those Who are, now let me stop there for a moment, to those who are. What Peter does multiple times in this letter, and I'm going to try to point it out every time he does it, is he is constantly referring back to the Old Testament. He will quote directly from the Old Testament many times. But there's also many other times where he doesn't quote from the Old Testament, but he takes Old Testament ideas, Old Testament themes, and he takes them and he applies them to the church. That's exactly what he does here when he's writing to these recipients and what he says about them. To those who are elect, exiles of the dispersion. Let's break that down. He's writing to Jewish and Gentile Christians, and he says to those who are elect. The Greek word is eklektos. We'll pick up on this idea next week when he talks about the foreknowledge of God. He is saying to them, you are chosen, by God now listen that is a very Old Testament idea because the people of God Israel were chosen by God listen to Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 for you are a people holy to the Lord your God the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession right so so God in the Old Testament chooses Israel why not because they were better than the other nations or because they were more righteous right he just god sets his affection upon israel and he chooses them and so now peter takes that language and he applies it to his readers who make up the church of jesus christ and he is saying to them listen you are the chosen people of god you are set apart you are chosen god has set his affections upon you you are elect chosen exiles first peter chapter 2 verse 11 beloved i urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul he says sojourners and exiles and here in verse 1 it says elect exiles this word uh can be translated many different ways your translation may word it differently they all basically have the same idea exiles sojourners pilgrims aliens foreigners it basically means you are a temporary resident you are in a place that is not permanently your home so again old testament language go back to the old testament god makes a covenant with abraham with isaac with jacob He brings his people out of bondage in slavery in Egypt. He promises them, as he did, to take them to the promised land. He fulfills that promise. They're in the promised land. Israel begins to grow. God is blessing. And then over time, Israel, because of their idolatry, because of their sin, God brings in right the northern kingdom. Israel is taken into captivity first. Then the southern kingdom, they're taken into captivity. We're coming out of Esther. What were Esther and Mordecai? They were exiles. They're in Persia, but that's not their home. They were in Jerusalem, but because of these other nations, they're literally yanked from their home, living in a place that is not their home. They were exiles. Now, he writes of the church here in 1 Peter, those receiving this letter, he says, you are exiles. And I don't think that means in a physical sense. Some of them Maybe we're in Jerusalem, and as, and, and, and as the Roman persecution begins to rise, maybe they have to leave Jerusalem. But I think here he's not talking physically. I think he's speaking spiritually. That those he's writing to need to understand they are exiles. In other words, this is not their home. They don't belong where they are. You and I do not belong here. This isn't our ultimate home, Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. You are dual citizens. Some of you maybe have triple citizenship. I I don't know, because I'm a citizen of America, but ultimately, what Paul tells me in Philippians is, ultimately, my citizenship is in heaven. Listen to Hebrews 11.13, that hall of faith passage of scripture it says these all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar listen to this and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth they recognized this wasn't their home first peter's the recipients of first peter who he's writing this to This is not their ultimate home. And 2,000 plus years later, we can still say this is not our home. It's why there is a yearning to be home with Jesus. Because we're not with Jesus as we will one day be. So, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. And then he mentions five provinces. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God's people in the Old Testament, Israel, become dispersed. The Jewish diaspora, they become scattered. They were in Jerusalem, surrounding areas, through, through the deportations, now they're scattered. And so now he's writing to brothers and sisters who are beginning to be scattered again. They're beginning to be either sent out from or they choose to go out from, as Peter and Paul and other missionaries would do, to begin to spread the gospel Two of these provinces are mentioned in the sermon at Acts chapter 2, where all these people are gathered and the sermon is preached. So who knows, maybe some of those Jewish brothers who were there in that moment go back to their province, begin to share the gospel, and more and more people are saved. He's writing to five provinces located here in this area, both Jewish and Gentile converts who are scattered. Think about brothers and sisters today. Are we not more scattered than we've ever been? We have brothers and sisters in Christ on every continent, in every country. Now in some, like Japan, it's minimal. Not a lot of believers, but we're scattered. Taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. So this letter would have been a circular letter. These five areas that are mentioned, some commentaries believe maybe this would have been the way that you would have traveled from province to province, and these letters would have been delivered. Maybe they would have been copied, and they would have been, they would have, been taught they would have stood up and read these letters right they would have taught from these letters so peter an apostle of jesus christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion pontus galatia cappadocia asia and bithynia we'll dive into verse two and three next week so here's the thing how in the world do we live in a world that is becoming more and more and more hostile to Christians to you and I how do we live in a world that as I mentioned last week you're never really going to fit in like how do we live in a world where we are constantly dealing with suffering and pain and hurt and death how do we do that well there's four key things I want to highlight we'll go through them quickly this morning that I want to highlight and I just want to remind you if we lose sight of these four things it's going to be really hard to have a living hope in a hostile world. And so over and over, week after week, Peter's going to remind us. God's going to remind us, brothers and sisters, in order for you to live and to have a living hope in a hostile world, you need to know these four things. So number one, you need to know salvation. You need to know salvation. It is not a surprise where Peter starts. Look at verse 2. We'll comment on it more next week. According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, for sprinkling with His blood. He's told them, you're elect exiles of the dispersion, but that's only part of who you are. There's a much greater thing that is true of you. And he he mentions the Trinity here, the Father, the Spirit, and Jesus Christ, the Son, for sprinkling with His blood. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His Great mercy. Not our mercy, but His great mercy. He has caused us, He's the agent, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at verse 9 of chapter 1. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verses 18 and 19 of chapter 1. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And then chapter 2, verse 24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. How can you maintain a living hope in a hostile world, in a world of suffering and pain? Hear me, you must constantly be reminded of who you are in Christ and what he's done for you every single time and when we forget that we become as he talks about in second peter ineffective and unfruitful when you lose sight of jesus christ and what he has done for you that he not the world not not a secular culture they don't define who you are your identity comes from jesus christ what he says about you because everything in your flesh and everything in this culture is going to say, nope, that's not true, let me tell you this instead. And we run from that, and we run back to Christ, and who He is, and what He has done for us. If you lose sight of the living hope that Christ has purchased for you, you're going to have a hard time in a hostile world filled with suffering. But secondly, holiness. Holiness. 1 Peter chapter 1, 14-16 As obedient children, do not be conformed. Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you, Old Testament is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, Old Testament, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The one who has saved you, the one who has created you, the one who has called you, the one who sends you out is holy. Therefore, you are to be holy First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 this is filled with Old Testament understanding but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession. First Peter chapter 4 verse 4 says this with respect to this And verse 3 talks about some of these things. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, look look what the Word of God says. They are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. I like what Warren Wearsby writes. Because Christians are strangers in the world, they are considered to be strange in the eyes of the world. Listen, the only way that you're going to survive in a hostile world is you've got to live differently. But understand, when you live differently, not only are they surprised when you don't live like them, but Peter goes on to say in that same verse, they malign you. But but hear me, when you understand who Christ is, what he has done for you, through verse 2, the sanctification in the Spirit, you are changed. You're no longer the same. You think differently, live differently, like believe differently. And when you think, live, and believe differently than the world in which you live, guess what? They're going to think you're strange. In the famous words of DC Talk, you're a Jesus freak. That's what you are. You're weird. You're odd. Like, you mean you actually go to worship? you actually believe in jesus you actually believe this is the word of god you mean you actually believe jesus changes you you used to cuss like a sailor you don't cuss anymore you used to come drink with us and get drunk you've changed that why jesus christ it makes no sense to a fallen lost world that's what jesus does he changes you and peter is going to call us to a holy living why because of the living hope within us but understand When you commit to live differently, the world and Satan will take notice. Which leads to number three, suffering. One of the key themes in this letter, it appears over and over and over, is this idea of suffering. When God's call to holiness conflicts with the values of the world, Christians may and will suffer. Now, Peter's writing in a time in which... State-sponsored persecution hadn't really begun yet. It's about to. It'll start with Nero, 80, 64 through 68. It'll continue with Domitian and Trajan. It's, it's about to really pick up. But even in Peter's day, he's already seeing it's increasing. We see right Stephen martyred. We see the, the Apostle Paul prior to Jesus Christ saving him. He's persecuting the church. Peter sees it's increasing. And he realizes it's going to continue to increase. He understands that when you live differently, when you believe in Jesus Christ, there will be suffering. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. 1 Peter chapter 2, 20 through 21. He was. Yeah, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 21 says. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it you endure, but if when you do good and suffer for it you endure? This is a precious this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Second of John 15. Verse 19, these are straight from the words of Jesus. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And right before that in verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. You and I, by God's grace and his providence, whatever it may be, have never really experienced persecution the way the early church experienced it and the way many brothers and sisters around the world have experienced it but that day is coming if our country continues in the way that it is going the hostility towards christians is already rising it's only going to get worse it's only going to ramp up and you and i will begin to actually, for the first time, now we've experienced it maybe in pockets, maybe you've had a a co-worker mock you for your faith. We've we've seen it. It's here in some places. But as far as more of a government-wide, statewide persecution, if our country continues, it's coming. So listen to me. In a hostile world, you have the opportunity to bear witness. Not only in persecution, but just in suffering. Cancer, the death of a child, the losing of a job. You have an opportunity in those moments of suffering to bear witness that through a life lived in obedience to Jesus Christ and a life dependent upon Jesus in suffering. Like not only does the world say, hey, you don't live like me, but when you suffer and handle it differently, the world says, listen, you don't respond like me if that had happened to me i'd be distraught i would have no hope i couldn't live opportunity for witness to say hey listen if i didn't have jesus christ i couldn't do this either if i didn't have jesus christ i'd be a mess the only reason i can stand the only reason i still have faith the only reason i'm enduring is because of my savior jesus christ man can i tell you about my savior you have an opportunity to witness in the midst of that suffering there's going to be a lot of suffering we're going to see in first Peter and lastly perseverance perseverance not only do we have an opportunity to bear witness but you and I may also have opportunities for spiritual warfare there will in fact be opportunities for spiritual warfare so first Peter chapter 4 verse 19 says therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good so when you suffer at the hands of somebody but god can use all things for his glory for your good great god you're trusting your soul to him but then look at first peter Chapter 5, 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's spiritual warfare. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. If you're struggling, let me challenge you to commit this to memory. Let me read that again. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love it. Warren Wearsby writes, this confident hope gives us the encouragement and enablement we need for daily living. It doesn't put us in a rocking chair where we complacently await the return of Jesus Christ. Instead, it puts us in the marketplace and on the battlefield where we keep going when the burdens are heavy and the battles are hard. Brothers and sisters, we persevere to Jesus Christ holding us and sustaining us we keep persevering so let me end this way who are you who are you because you are either exiles who through jesus christ have a living hope while living in a hostile world that is not your home or you are lost and dead in your sin Having rejected Jesus Christ, you are without hope, you are without life, living in a world where this is as good as it could ever possibly get for you. Because if you don't know Jesus, you have no hope. You are separated from God, you are under His condemnation and His wrath, and one day you will spend an eternity in hell. Or you repent of your sins and you take hold of Jesus Christ as the only one who can save you from your sins. You put yourself under the love, grace, and mercy of Christ and you plead the blood of Jesus Christ only for the forgiveness of your sins. So who are you? Where are you? Do you know Jesus? Because if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, then you need to repent of your sins and believe upon His name. And the Bible says you will be saved. If you know Jesus, what a blessed hope. Though now, tired and worn, we will spend eternity around our Savior's throne. Though we grieve our losses, we grieve not in vain. For we know our crown of glory awaits beyond the grave. And the chorus to the City of Light song goes, On that day we will see you, shining brighter than the sun. On that day we will know you, as we lift our voice as one. Till that day we will praise you for your never-ending grace. And we will keep on singing on that glorious day brothers and sisters we're exiles we're living in a hostile world but we have been born again to a living hope there is hope do you know that hope peter has so many encouraging words for us and i pray that you'll just dive in and study and let the word of god just speak to you as we work our way through this incredible letter let's go to the lord in prayer Father, we confess that apart from Jesus Christ, there is no hope. Lord, we also confess that even through that hope in Jesus Christ, this world is still hard. There is pain. There is suffering. We see the effects of sin in our hearts and in our lives. Apart from Jesus, we're dead. Separated from you, Jesus. And it's in this world in which we live. Jesus, you could immediately, the moment we give our heart to you, you could take us out of this world and bring us into your presence. But Lord, you leave us here. You send us out with the living hope of Jesus Christ. That in the midst of suffering and pain and hardship, and even in the face of persecution, we can still raise a hallelujah. We can still praise the name of our good. Almighty God, thank you for the living hope. Thank you for rescuing us from our sins. As we eat of this bread and drink of this cup in just a moment, we humble ourselves. Examine our hearts, O Lord, for any sin that remains. And we trust in you. Give us the strength we need, Lord, to stand in a hostile world for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, the Son of God. Encourage us, strengthen us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Let's worship together. I'll be at the front if you have a decision or you need to come and pray. seated. We are going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. What a fitting song to sing after the message this morning. So if our deacons will come forward and take your place up here, four of you on each side. While they're coming, let me just remind you of of kind of how we do this here, because I know every church does it a little bit um, differently, but uh, we'll pass out the elements together and uh, we'll do them at the same time. Remember, the cups are double stacked. The bread and juice are in there together, double stacked. And if you'll just take that and hold on to it, once everybody has received it, the deacons come forward, then we'll, Pastor Gary and I will lead you uh, in that. Let me just encourage you that if you have never given your life to Jesus, that he is not Lord and Savior of your life, you never repented of your sins or believed upon his name, that you would just let the, the, the cup pass before you. Um, that you would, you would abstain. And, and while we're doing this, if you would just seek the Lord and maybe ask Him to be Lord and Savior of your life. Um, so let me, let me pray, and then we'll pass out um, the elements together. Lord God, we thank You for the blood of Jesus Christ that has defeated all of our enemies. Death, sin, Satan the world that is hostile to the things of God. All of those have been disarmed. All of those have been ultimately defeated through your death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus, you know how prone we are to forget. And so, Lord, we come before you. We come before you. Lord, just remind us this morning as we eat and drink of the sacrifice, Jesus, of you laying down your life so that we can have victory over all of our enemies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I'm going to ask our deacons to stand. Jesus first on that night took the bread and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just a moment, Ron Pearson is going to come up and pray and give some instructions. But before he does that, you notice in the bulletin it, it does talk about the month of October is pastor-staff appreciation month. And so I just want to take a moment to let our staff uh, know how much they mean to me. Uh, for most of my ministry in smaller churches, I was the only staff. It was me. So to be able to come to Northside and be able to work with An incredible staff, uh, just means the world to me. So Curtis and Ann, Pastor Gary, his family, Kim, her husband Mark, uh, she's here today as well. Uh, We have Melinda as well, who's not with us. They do an incredible job, and um, I'm just thankful for them. But here's what we know. You guys are going to love on us and shower us with your kindness this month, but none of this is possible without you. I mean, the amount of time that you give to this church, to this family, uh, we recognize that. And we are extremely grateful for that. And uh, so thank you just for being who you are and allowing us to love and and minister to you. So, Ron, if you'll come, give some instructions and pray for us.
4: Uh, Since it is a pastor appreciation month, we'll be dealing with this all month. When When the folks, when you leave tonight to go eat, There'll be a couple of men back by the door to take any offering you might want to offer. We'll do that the rest of the month. The other thing we want to remember is there's some of you might be new today, you've never been here before. If this is your first time, the lunch is for you. We're not taking up money at the door for you to have to pay. You're free, you're in. And we'd like you to stay and get to know us a little better. Our, Our hope is is that we can convey to the entire staff of this church what you mean to us. We feel deeply blessed to have each one of you. And we just want to say thank you. So after we after I've prayed we'll we'll in fact why don't you guys get up and go to lunch first? Gary, take yours, Curtis, Kim. We'll let them be first in line, and then we'll pray for them as they go. <laughs> Join me in a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for the word that we've heard, the time we've spent in Bible study, the time we've spent in in prayer and in praise and in hearing the message. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this family of faith father we recognize that everything is said is done because of who you are and what you're to uh, what you mean to us you've brought us into your family and loved us and cared for us every day so we thank you for that father help us to understand those that don't know you help us as we leave here after all the blessings that you shower on us, all the opportunities that you give us to be loved upon, that we'll go out and do the same, that we'll share this with the lost world, that we'll accept them for who they are and who they could be. Father, thank you for our staff, for those that help and volunteer and keep this place going, and most of all, thank you for the love of Jesus Christ.